Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Siada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of our podcast, um, Change Making Women. My name is Ziada, and I'm podcasting from Dar es Salaam together with Marianne. Hi. So what's happening with the scandals? <laughs> you know, NGO world has been hit with scandals after scandals. Yeah, yeah, Talk yeah, to yeah. me about that. I'm going to talk to you about Oxfam. And, and uh, uh, yeah, so let me just launch into it. So there's been, there was this, so one of our Sunday newspapers, and Sunday newspapers traditionally here, they, they do sort of like um, exposés or whatever. Um, one of them... Uh, had a story last week about uh, something that happened at, um, in Oxfam. It was actually an old story, interestingly, from like, I think it was 2011, so what's that, seven years ago. And uh, so the story was involving, it, it, it started off being a story about Haiti. So there was an emergency, an earthquake, I think it was in Haiti that year. And uh, They basically had um, investigated the the head of the mission in Haiti, so that's the kind of lead Oxfam guy in Haiti, and some other people, I think. I I don't have all the full details of of it. I haven't read all the reports yet, but um, they had investigated him for, I think, uh, having prostitutes at the house that was paid for by the charity and potentially... um, you know that some of them were underage, so that's you know, you know that's that 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 could well be criminal and sexual abuse, effectively of underage girls. And and anyway, they didn't. They had actually investigated it, and then they'd kind of, um, I think, got uh, got rid of him, but but not um, necessarily dealt with all the legal channels and put put everything in place that you might have expected. That's, that's that's kind of a a layman summary. Like mm. they did some stuff, but they didn't do everything that you might have expected of a charity like Oxfam. Anyway, this thing broke, and then I think because there's this in the UK, you know, Oxfam is a is originally um it was originally the Oxford Famine Relief something or other committee. Um, you know, many years ago, it was it was started here in this country, and um. I think the the public have a sort of perception of it as you know this sort of like do-gooding thing and you know <laughs> how could bad things happen basically in this organization obviously Oxfam is a it's quite a large international organization that works in many countries across the world and not just absolutely the, yeah mm. but people have this idea you know that, that that everything about it must be good and that's you know that's why people support it and give it money and all of that mm, the mm, thing mm. Starts to cut, started to kind of come crashing down when people realize oh goodness not you know something bad could happen in Oxfam and they might not deal with it entirely properly um and so it, it kind of jumped very quickly to 
the different bits of the government, the people that register charities, the Charity Commission, and then also the International Development um, Department, DFID, who give Oxfam quite a lot of money each year, um, you know, we're suddenly kind of called to question and then kind of having Oxfam in to talk about what happened and what they did and, uh, you know, have they learned from it and, or, you know, should we still really be registering them and giving them money and is this some, so, you know, is it a sign of a bigger problem? Anyway, what, so what's kind of come out of this is uh, then, of course, lots of other cases start to come out because obviously mm. the truth is that non-governmental organisations and the sector in general is not immune to abuse any more than, you know, the you know, uh, entertainment sector or politicians or, or, you know, all these other places where people abuse their power. And the fact is that particularly actually in emergencies, but generally in this context of kind of international NGOs, people coming from other countries to go help people who are in some desperate need and this, this kind of context, then the potential for abuse of that sort of power is actually, you know, fairly, fair, fairly, uh, what's the word? It's, fa it's a fairly obvious place in which abuse could occur, right? So, of course, um, now this thing has become high profile in the news people you know journalists have started picking up other stories other reports of course there's a lot more evidence out there of things that go wrong basically mm, so, mm, mm. on the one hand okay. sorry please please no no, no. so okay. i just wanted to ask so do you think in your opinion that this case is is actually being, you know, being investigated and you feel like they're going to get to the bottom of it? Actually, the funny thing about this story is they'd already, I think they had already got to the bottom of the case. I think there were possibly, probably other things they could have done that they didn't do, but they did investigate it and the people responsible don't any longer work for Oxfam. So it's mm. not like... Um, it, it's not actually a live case in that sense. Um, mm. So I think they did some of the things they should have done. And it sounds like there are some other things that they should have done and they didn't to, do, including potentially, you know, reporting it to the authorities in Haiti so that it could be dealt with through proper legal process and that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know if they had enough evidence to do that or not. That's not clear to me yet. So, okay. you know, so, so it's kind of funny like that in that it's something mm. from the past. It's not something live. And they did do some things about it. Mm. Um, Does this then, uh, you know, just que questions the whole credibility of uh, NGOs? Do you yeah. Think? So, well... I think that most people that have worked in NGOs for, you know, a number of years as I have, know that things go wrong within them, you know? So I don't think, like, to me, it's not, like, a huge surprise. In fact, I kind of was always waiting for there to be a moment like this where there would be, like, a big scandal because um, I think that, you know, this stuff, is being uncovered all, all over the place at the moment and so it was always going to eventually come out and in many ways I think it's a good thing that it comes out because it means that 
cases that haven't been dealt with might might wind up getting dealt with you know and people that are still in these positions where they're they're you know they might be doing things that are really really not okay and need dealing with might it might actually happen you know but I think for me like the more the thing that I had written about last week was kind of that around the fact that okay so what is this um, situation in which like NGOs are working where the people that are running them have this kind of power you know especially if they're expats it's not only if they're expats but but when they're expats it's it's probably like uh, amplified as well like what is this thing where people join these organizations most of them like can be mm. making the world a fairer place and yet they wind up going to countries where people are mm. in poor and desperate circumstances and yet they're they wind up being the ones with all the power and resources you know getting to mm. like distribute them out to people and there's something like not quite um that doesn't work about that for me it's like we're 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 saying we're trying to redistribute power but we're actually a lot of the time we're the ones with it you know and i say mm. we like loosely to mean you know people who are who who are working organizations that are trying to make the world a better place actually in some contexts particularly emergencies have a lot of power you know they're the ones that have got whatever it is that people need you know and they might not have enough of it as soon as you're the person with the most power in a in, in a context or a situation, then you know um, there's potential for abuse. Of course, it doesn't mean that everyone in that position abuses it, but it is a kind of problematic starting point. And so, my point that I was writing about last week was, you know, a we're not we're not completely infallible it's not like you get to like join an NGO and then you're like a perfect person and you can never do anything wrong you actually have to work at that you have to work at, at being a person who treats people fairly and mm. you know and sometimes you won't and you have to fix it and I don't mean that everyone is sexually abusing people I don't mean that but I mean like you have to keep on asking yourself like how am I like benefiting from my privilege in this situation or from the resources afforded to me because I'm, you know, an expat aid worker. Like how, and how can I like challenge that and how can I change it? And if I'm not doing that, then really, am I ever going to really make a difference beyond like, you know, maybe giving some person food or whatever. But mm. like, if I really want to change the system and the way the world works, I have to do like fundamentally different things. I have to like, build up um local people and organizations and like i don't have to be the one there with all the power someone else does and that kind of thing you know um so like there's one thing which is the the, the, the scandal itself and like hopefully it will bring to light things that need dealing with specifically but then i also think there's just a general problem in the in the international ngo sector around us having too much power basically or potentially sometimes having too much power you know and and maybe not really um not really being like basically conscious enough about that you know it's like somebody joins an organization and they're like really passionate about changing the world and then they find out that like they um they're the one with the power and resources and they and they and and they don't question that you know and i think that needs to change I don't know if okay. that makes sense. 
year. <laughs> no, it does make sense because my next question would be, I know you've written an article about this. Mm. What compelled you to write that article? I started seeing, like, after this scandal break, I started pe- seeing people sort of saying things like, oh, we mustn't be, you know, too unkind to Oxfam. There's loads of, well, I put thousands of passionate people working there and, you know, they're not all abusers. And, and that's true, right? Mm, on, yeah. on, on sort of face value that's true but it's also not true that those thousands of passionate people never put a foot wrong you know we shouldn't like paint our, that was the thing that compelled me to write I was like we shouldn't react to this by painting ourselves as being like always the best people in the world because it isn't that's not really true and I think and I think like we as in people who who've who've worked in trying to make a difference in the world you know in that kind of um line of work should be constantly like asking ourselves like am i really you know am i really taking um mesh steps to basically redistribute power because that's what it's about you know the reason that you know some people in the world are insanely rich and most people in the world are you know living on the breadline or or and many many people in the world live in poverty is because things mm. are distributed in a way that's fair and just and if mm. i want that to happen then i can't be in a be in a position in my own work where i'm the one with all the resources and i don't think very much about how to redistribute them you know like really what does that mean and it means like giving other people the power to decide what to do with them and that kind of thing you know mm. and the problem is that we don't always do that because we get comfortable it's not necessarily that we get abusive but we get comfortable but it's all of that is that whole system where actually international NGOs in in many countries in the world the people that work in them are people with power and resources and if we're not questioning if they're not questioning it and we're not questioning them and and kind of holding them to account then all kinds of sort of things will happen that aren't necessarily making the world a fair and just more just place is basically what compelled me to write the article so I was saying like it isn't thousands of passionate people and a few bad people I said I said in the article a few bad eggs it's like um we all need to be looking at ourselves and and how we behave and trying to figure out how we can behave in ways that actually bring about the kind of world we think would be better you know and sometimes Mm. that means saying like you know i shouldn't be the one that makes this decision or Mm. and and it's yeah so it's sort of yeah i and i think that change has to happen because i don't think that I, do, I think that these sort of scandals will, will kind of now they've broken keep on happening because there'll mm. always be another person that did something wrong in organizations. Yeah. But I think that the way that international NGOs have, because for years and years and all my career, there've been people talking internally about, you know, we need to shift the power. We need to shift the power. We need to think about like who's, who's getting the resources. Why are they getting them? Because basically far too many um, organizations are you know run from countries in Europe or America and mo- and you know quite a lot of the resources stay there or are paid to people from there who go work in places el- other places in the world in program countries um, but they're still the best paid one you know 
and they go employing local staff at a fraction of the salary, you know? <laughs> and all of that system is like exploitative in itself. Now, it isn't necessarily mm. sexually abusive, but it's about power, you know? So that's, okay. so, so that's my take. It's kind of like, okay. we should use this moment to unpick the question of where is the power in mm. international work. And I think it's in, often in the wrong places. And I yeah. think that needs to change. <laughs> and, and I think um, people also should change the perception, the fact that, you know, when they hear an NGO, it's always, you know, rosy. All you have to do is just go in there and be nice. Are people actually nice? <laughs> or they're just in there doing their work, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm interested, actually. Like, say, what do you, what would you say the perception of say Oxfam or another? It doesn't have to be Oxfam, but you know, in international NGO workers NGO. in Tanzania. I mean, the perception it's always you know an NGO worker always just travels, you know, travels the world, travels the world. Um, yeah. you know, just you know, do your projects, you know, get paid tons of money. <laughs> that's it. And that's the first thing. That's what I was you, know? you get paid yeah. tons of money. Exactly. That's, that's so, so it's so interesting because that yeah, so it's not, <laughs> so it's never really you know maybe you know someone actually there you know doing that humanitarian work that's needed you know so it's very thin line the perception around you know all these NGOs. I yeah, love, and that's the truth, right? The perception in Tanzania and Tanzania is definitely not the only place and probably everywhere where international organisations work is that NGO workers get paid tons of money. Now, mm. that is sort of like, it's an interesting one. That isn't the perception here of what NGO workers. If anything, the perception here around money is that probably you get paid less than you would get paid if you did another kind of work. And that's why, you know, that's why, that's part of how um, people, the public generally, like, understands NGO workers to be sort of good people who've kind of sacrificed money in order to work in in these organizations instead of working for a corporation that might pay them more so that's already really interesting like you know and, and totally familiar to me but like the idea that you get paid tons of money to help other people is kind of a funny one because <laughs> if you're trying to to help people whose lives are you know uh are not very good you know yeah, that's they're less fortunate less yeah. fortunate how how is it that you end up having tons of money <laughs> you know yeah absolutely yeah so that's that's you know immediately it's kind of immediately a a warning sign i think and i and i don't necessarily think that people working in ngos should be badly paid but i think mm -hmm. there's something about like how are we really um how are we really thinking about redistributing resources if we're we're yeah. paying our people really well and then you know maybe the projects we support might might not be making suffering that much yeah yeah might not be making that much difference to people who are actually living in poverty you know and mm. these are massive generalizations there's excellent work out there definitely there is but i think there's something a bit um uh uh what 
I can't, I don't have my words this evening. There's something that's not really working about the, 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 the system of international NGOs. And I think basically what I, I think and what I've thought ever since I started in this type of work mm. is that the only way to make like long-term difference on these issues um, is to support like local organizations to build up work that actually starts to address some of these like systematic reasons why certain people have very little resources and those are really complicated things to do it's not like anyone knows how to do that we don't know how to get the world you know in a fairer and more just way it's not like someone can switch a switch it's really complicated it's like um resources are allocated in a way that's so unfair at the moment that it's like it's a big deal it will take generations but like I, I still think that we have to do it by like building up the capacity of people in a context say whether that's you know people working nationally in Tanzania or locally in some in village or an area or whatever to like look at like how can we do this better so that people who are struggling can can actually be supported to to improve their lives and I don't think you really do that from a desk in London. I don't, really, I don't really, you know, I never really have thought you mm. can. So I think we have to really think about like um, how we, how we, how we think of development as a thing. And I think it, it should really be more about like, I, I call it solidarity, but like, mm. how can you, if you're sitting in a country that's more privileged, offer support to people working on issues or offer mm. ideas, offer whatever is needed and asked of you, but without like this kind of abusive types of power dynamic playing out. And of course, that, that won't necessarily eradicate sexual abuse everywhere. But I mm. think that um, when you have like such the power dynamics that have existed within the sector, I think you just have this space into which, you know, these sort of problems are more likely to occur if that makes sense mm. yes that makes absolute sense so one last question do you think after the oxfam scandal um things will turn around for for the better i think that international ngos working in the uk at least will be required by the by by government to have much more robust policies and procedures around safeguarding people from abuse I think in some cases those have already been in place, but maybe not as effectively implemented as they should be. So part of it mm. is about like making sure that policy is not just a bit of paper. Yeah. But I, beyond that, my hope is that people will start to address these questions of power. And I don't think that that's automatic, which is why I've started writing about it. And it's complicated. Like, um, you know, as you've heard me speaking about it, I, I don't necessarily have any answers, but I'm, I'm really just pointing out a problem, which is that I think international NGOs have got themselves into a situation where they're holding too much power, the people within them who are given authority are also often holding too much power, and they're therefore not kind of, they're kind of not practicing what they preach, they're not redistributing power in a way that, that, that kind of reflects what the change they want to make in the world and I think it, it kind of needs to change and I think what will push that to happen is probably you know if if what happens as a result of this 
is a serious threat. And I think that that may well happen because I think the public perception of what international aid is, which is kind of probably largely a little bit out of date and kind of this idea of like we give Oxfam or whoever some money and they go feed some people who are starving, you know, which is by and large not what's actually happening most of the time. And sometimes that is what's happening in like an emergency context. But by and large, what they're actually trying in some ways to build people's capacity to earn an income so that they can feed themselves and stuff. Um, but I still think that the, the power that's playing out is, is, is often playing out in ways that aren't, aren't particularly equitable. And I, I think that needs to change. So, yeah. So I hope my hope is actually that there is this is like a positive, a potentially positive turning point in that these questions will come to light actually because of the threat um, to um, to to the international sector from you know this changing public perception and also as a result you know the actions of government but at, at the moment this is mostly a UK story you know it's it's happening here I think for the most part although I have you know there are people elsewhere in the world writing about it and we shouldn't forget that organisations like Oxfam are effectively, you know, um, global entities now, and they have offices all over the world. So, so it isn't it isn't necessarily restricted to the UK, but the kind of centre of it is here. So let's see, let's watch this space. So Ziada, I'm wondering, like, how has this story and the things I've been saying about it to you over the last week or mm. so, like, changed? in any way has it changed your perception of international NGOs in any way or has it just confirmed things you already thought or how do you see mm. personally I just feel it hasn't changed my perception you know at the end of the day all these organizations are there to do this good work you know humanitarian work and actually it's much needed in the world mm -hmm. so it hasn't really changed perception it's just my worry is that you know Perhaps this is not just the, you know, this is just the beginning yep. of so many other scandals that are, gonna, that are going to come out. That's my only worry. And um, I pretty much, very much appreciate national organizations are doing. And I hope they keep on doing them, you know, because if they don't do them, you know, half of the governments in this world, they'll never do it. So <laughs> yeah. someone has got to do the job. Yeah. yeah, and that's it, it, it. That is, I guess, another perspective on it. Like when you have governments that, are, that are, yeah, that aren't doing things that people need, and maybe some international support is helping with things. And yeah, there's mm. like the fear of yeah. disintegrating. I think, um, I think for international organisations, probably have an opportunity in this moment to kind of fess up about the fact that they aren't squeaky clean and perfect and then kind of tell a new story mm. about how they can make things mm. better and also be more honest in future mm -hmm. and I think that there is a space for that but I for you know let's see let's see if if people are ready to jump into that space <laughs> yeah absolutely well I guess we'll just wait for it to <laughs> unfold <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We okay. give it we give it some time, you know. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. dot com.